Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail and mocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, live and in person after a nice, relaxing vacation. But I couldn't stay away from you lovelies for too long. There's only so much a Sunday afternoon drinking Cadillacs at Margaritaville will fix. At some point, you have to take off your Birkenstocks and your oversized Hawaiian tee and get back to work. Not that this is work, really. Uh, I mean, like, not until Mitch starts paying us the salaries we deserve. Hashtag no tumblers for free. Let's get that trending. Please join our labor movement responsibly. Of course, we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I raided a My Little Pony Discord server and recruited a couple of bronies to help me bring a little magic and friendship to the airwaves, and they are... Ah. (laughs) Ryan, your music connoisseur and uh, brony epicure. And Pedro, your very resentful mixologist. (laughs) And our guests today are an independent pop duo hailing from sunny Los Angeles, California. They were birthed from the ashes of one of my favorite bands, Pacific Air, back in 2014 and have been on a creative tear ever since. Originally a solo project when their debut album, How You Gonna Stop It, hit streaming services in 2017, they since united for an ambitious five albums in five years plan. It may have started as a joke, but it came to fruition last month with album number five, which is the topic of today's episode. Their danceable blend of glam rock, 80s new wave, and jangle pop are sure to win you over and make sure they aren't the last ones left at the old disco. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please welcome brothers and creative partners Ryan and Taylor Lahan, better known to the world as Mating Ritual, to the pod. Howdy. Thank you guys so much for having us. (laughs) And our listeners can't see, but you are actually uh, out at the pool right now. looks like uh, kind of living it up for all of us who can't. Yeah, we're out in Palm Springs right now. Our folks have a house out here. So we come out when it's too hot in Los Angeles, which it is right now. And (laughs) we felt like we were dying. Our friend's having a birthday party. So we're having some people over tomorrow and it's just going to be a nice little escape. You guys went go to the desert when it's too hot here? Yeah, because there's a pool here. We don't have AC at our house in LA, <laughs> so uh, a pool is a slightly better, even though the oh, temperature is yes. technically higher out here. You know, we don't have the right tools back home. Oh, yes. It's actually kind of cool out here today for an August day in, in the Coachella Valley. It's only, I think it's 108 today, which is actually feels great when you're in the water. When you're in the water, it feels like it's like 92, 93. Well, that's good. That probably sounds terrible to people from the Midwest. <laughs> no, I like that. I'm the kind of person who can't function unless it's a minimum of 80 degrees. Otherwise, my toes are cold. I'm miserable. I'm bundled up in my winter coat. So I've seen the big heat lamp in his room. It's true. Yes. 
<laughs> well, we wish we could have had you guys in person, but unfortunately, Delta is busy ruining everybody's fall plan. We had a very brief stint there where we invited people back into the studio, but alas, <laughs> this is the uh, the pandemic that keeps on giving. We've tasted we're back. <laughs> we're just doing this in waves now, but <laughs> let's move on. Since I was absent last week, we have a bit more catching up to do than usual. Fellas, what have you been listening to lately? Well, I'm glad you said Ashes there in the intro, Anthony, because that dovetails nicely into my music, which is um, the new single from Soft Cell, Heart Like Chernobyl. Um, Heart Like Chernobyl? It's, the brand new, it's a brand new <laughs> song from Soft Cell, which is one of my favorite 80s groups. They still make music? Oh, you betcha. <laughs> I literally had the same question. The new album, too, is called... Uh, asterisk happiness not included which I, I love that and i want to put that as a postscript on everything um on the podcast i think every text i send every work email dating profile you know but they got look the, the boys still got it it's the original lineup they still got it and i'm and i'm stoked on it so that's how what old I got. are they now i think they're 32 forever as far as what i understand <laughs> based on the curse they gotta be um i guess i'll go next so i've been listening to the new album by uh english singer and songwriter eloise called somewhere in between um i saw her at school nights at bardot like way back before everything closed down and it was just like i I was there to see somebody else and this is kind of like a motif this happens a lot where i like go to that venue to see somebody else and i'm like whoa the opener is incredible and that was her she does like really stripped back R&B with kind of like a European flair. And like she has this knack for torch songs. So like I feel like that's kind of faded in pop music recently. But, you know, she has like these really uh, longing kind of mournful um, ballads about uh, about love. When you when you say torch song, so it's like when you mean torch, you mean literally like hold up a flame in a concert, right? Yeah, I mean, like that, but also I feel like the implication is you're holding a torch for somebody. Sure. Um, yeah, mm. I was like trying to do okay. a deep dive into this because like she described her music that way. And I'm like, huh, like I think I, I kind of get this concept. But yeah, it, she's great. Um, she's I feel like they're, the- they're laments. Torch songs are like sentimental, right? Yeah. Like they're sort of like tragic, right? And yeah. Not, and not you're bringing the torches to somebody's house to run them out of their house, right? That sounds nice. <laughs> no, nah, that's a different vibe, Ryan. Um, Some trapped vibes. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we talking trap the band? Like, I think so. Of, 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 of Twitter fame? Now of, now of TikTok fame. Oh, God, no. Maybe it's yeah, a he good... was banned from Twitter and Instagram, and he's moved on over. Only a matter of time. Anyway, Eloise, <laughs> listen to her songs, Hungover and Bamo. Those are my two favorite from the album. But the whole thing is pretty great, especially if you need to calm down a little bit. All right. Who would like to talk about what they've had on repeat next? Go next. Um, uh, I've been listening to the most recent King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard record, Butterfly 3000. Ooh, yeah. Um, I just let, like, you know, those guys range stylistically a lot but this recent one is like their most synthy album i'd say and they 
I just love how every record they do, like all the songs flow into the next one seamlessly. And it's like, it's just been like the perfect sonic journey for me recently um, with the current like summery mood. But it's also like, the whole thing's just smooth and interesting. I don't know. Check it out. I haven't even listened to it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty psychedelic. It's weird because we, we live together and I haven't heard it. <laughs> I realize I'll I... Piggyback. Oh, Keep sorry. On. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to piggyback off this summer thing because I think what Taylor and I like to do a lot, and we write this way too, is we write cyclically with uh, with the seasons. We try to make sure that we're like soundtracking our lives because we really grew up listening to a lot of soundtracks. And so while the new music I'm listening to I don't really listen to that much new music is I've been listening to a lot of Viagra boys and their new record, the welfare of jazz, I think it's called. Um, but I haven't listened to anything recently, but a playlist we made last year called Palm Corn Springs, which is all Antonio Carlos, Jobim, Herb Alpert, uh, Henry Mancini, uh, like all the, and about all like the million tiki artists that are the out 60s there. These cocktail classics. Oh my God. I want to hold on. I want to, I want to hold on to the end of summer and I feel like it's about to die and we're about to go into like Sufjan mode. So we gotta, we gotta <laughs> ring this, ring this towel dry. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Is there like a link to that on Spotify? Like, is that a public playlist? Can we? Yeah. Yeah. I can send it to you. It's six hours long. Uh, Eight yeah. hours long. Perfect. It, it used to be on our, our mating rituals profile didn't it no this is the long one. Oh, okay we had yeah, a short we'll, one we'll get you mm-hmm. we'll get you we got a lot in the me. episode description it's a good one pedro can you round us out uh yeah i know what you mean by trying to hang on to those last bits of summer um well one thing i've been listening to recently is rumors by lizzo the new song that came out with cardi b oh, that's yes. that's just sort of been on repeat in the last few days but um I've also been recently going, just dipping back into Calvin Harris a bit. I forgot like how much I enjoy his music. I've just sort of been needing things to kind of uh, lift my spirits a little bit, right? I mean, we're going, we're basically going back into lockdown, but I'm trying to enjoy summer a little bit. So just, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've accepted it. But um, yeah, just sort of a sampling of things from like I created disco, ready for the weekend, eighteen months, funk wave bounces, just a little bit of everything, and yeah, just sort of remembering how much I enjoy I enjoy Calvin Harris. I need to refresh my memory on his catalog as well. I, I think the only album I know from him is the one where he has like the beehive glasses. Oh yeah, yeah, that the ready for the weekend one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I went I went back to I created disco, which I think is his first album, and it's I I forgot how good it is. Honestly, it's it's so great, worth a listen. That's a little audacious of him to say that he created disco. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. Big white guy energy. <laughs> <laughs> big, big Columbus energy. <laughs> oh, well, I love it. There's so much good stuff to uh, listen to. And, you know, before we move into our virtual Second Life bar, I just want to remind our listeners that every song or artist that we mention on the show goes on to the accompanying playlist. So if we want to subject you to the metal version of Baby Shark, that is completely within our right to do. (laughs) Well, Ryan and Taylor, did you bring an ID to show our bouncer today? You bet we did. Oh, yeah, I'll go first. So I'm wearing my uh, Mjolnir necklace. Are you guys familiar with the Mjolnir? Thor's mm-hmm. hammer. Yep. Exactly. For those who aren't, what is it? The Thor's hammer Mjolnir um, was a necklace I got when I went to this thing called Viking Fest in San Diego, my hometown. 
it's basically a Ren fair, but Viking centered. And uh, I'm a big Ren fair nerd. Uh, I do historical reenactment as a hobby. I like to, you know, dress up and and fight other nerds and chainmail shit like that. So, uh, so this little gel I've been wearing for quite some time, and just represents uh, the nerdy half of my of my personality. And I'm gonna give you the exact opposite. <laughs> I brought Maui Babe Browning Lotion. Hell yeah. <laughs> I have no intent on going to any Renaissance fairs anytime soon, looking as brown as I'm going to look after the week out in the desert. And the amazing Maui Bay browning lotion. Well, I'm trying to get him to dress like a pirate. You know, it'd be perfect. Maybe, yeah, but not at a Viking tan. fair. Oh, not at the Viking oh, fair. Um, that's true. But, um, you know, pirates are welcome at any Renaissance fair. My hair is about two feet long now. I wear dangly earrings. I got the, I got the goatee. It could work. Yeah. Yeah, big, uh, big Captain Jack Sparrow vibes. All you need is the Uh-oh. eyeliner. <laughs> Yikes. Well, it's kind of perfect because you can't get too tan at a, for a Ren Faire reenactment, right? Like if you're sunburnt, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> Actually, it, it, it tracks with the other audience there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch Entourage? Yes. Do you remember when Johnny Drama, he's in Viking Quest and he goes to Comic-Con and he gets sunburned to hell? And shows us. Yeah. <laughs> he's the funniest. He's to me the only like good part of that show. Yeah, he's the best. Anyway, although I I grew on Turtle as the seasons progressed. Oh, he became so much more likable. Big time. Yeah, really, really did. <laughs> Should I start watching Entourage from the beginning? Is that what this conversation is telling me? If you have nothing else to do, I've only got. Four more seasons of South Park to watch. I over the past month I have watched it all <laughs> because that's that's like we're getting back into quarantine and I'm feeling like early quarantine vibes where it's just like I need to make my brain forget about the awfulness. So I'm jumping back into the things that I loved from my childhood. And for me, that has been 20 seasons of South Park. And I was intense impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do the same thing with the Simpsons earlier in the pandemic and I got I want to say I got to like 500 episodes and then I saw the Elon Musk episode and I could not go beyond it because like they were like sucking his boots so hard in that episode I'm like guys you've lost all integrity I cannot do this anymore <laughs> and that's my Elon Musk rant for the episode let's get into the bar shall we uh, <laughs> Please. Looks like uh, those were indeed valid forms of ID, especially like I think if you can hit the bouncer on the head with Mjolnir, then we can just slip on by. Um, but anyway, welcome to the virtual Tunes and Tumblers bar, guys. We're currently having Drew code it for virtual reality since I'm convinced that this pandemic will never end. But in the meantime, we have the best form of VR at our disposal, our imaginations. Ryan, do you have anything to listen to for this little head trip of ours? Well, I was going to put on the King Gizzard album because you guys couldn't see this, but our producer Drew jumped so hard his head hit the ceiling when you said that band name. But we're listening to Songs for the Morning and Evening Times by LA-based indie group Mating Ritual on Smooth Jaws Records.
like I mentioned before, this is your fifth album in as many years, right? Right. And it's it's crazy that you brought up King Gizzard because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like they just it's like their output is just insane and you're kind of giving them a run for their money. Well, they have like 20 people. We only have two of us. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So I think what you're doing is probably a little more impressive. Don't tell them that, but yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think also pretty impressively, there is a lot to like here. You know, they always say quality over quantity, but I, I it doesn't feel like it's phoned in at all here. Lots of moments of, of fun, a lot of talk about, but first we have to turn things over to our mixologist, Pedro. What drink did you mix up that we can jealously eye through the screen today, Pedro? So, um, we've already discussed trying to hang on to summer for dear life. And honestly, I think the last few recordings we've done, I've just been on this huge summer cocktail kick. And this cocktail is like no different. It goes perfectly with, with a poolside bar. Um, but listening to this album, um, the things that stuck out to me the most are like that I that I felt from it is how solid it is and like even abrasive at times, but in like a very fun way. Um, I was just being hit with all these all these really powerful sounds, but I was enjoying every moment of it. There's even like a little theatricality in it. And some of my favorite parts are just like the small elements of chaos, especially with, with like um uh, what's it called? It's open if I fucking say it's open. <laughs> yes, I love <laughs> so, that. Just hit me like a like a ton I, of bricks when that it, happened. Completely. Funniest thing about that: everyone's going to assume we're talking about quarantine. We wrote that in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> You're prophetic, just truly prophetic. Um, but these are the kind of things I wanted to uh, try to embody with this drink. And and one and there's also a lyric that stuck out to me, which was. Uh, the um i met you in the bathroom of a river riverside county bar so i tried to think of a drink that might be served at this kind of place something that is just really strong made to mess you up but it's colorful and delicious and uh so here's what we have and i'm calling it um a pineapple lady because i do love that song pineapple but this is what it's called um so what it is is it's tequila blanco um some spiced rum and then I threw some pink lemonade on that with some uh, pineapple juice. Anyone who listens to the pod knows I'm not a huge fan of sweet drinks, but I really wanted to put like an energy drink in here really, really badly. Um, and but, I, but, you know, I didn't want that much sugar. So I found out uh, Bubbly makes a caffeinated sparkling water called Bubbly Bounce. So I threw that on top of it to sort of keep keep things nice and balanced. And then to give it the... Uh, the chaos factor that I wanted. I uh, gutted half a lime, filled it with Grand Marnier and just lit it on fire. Um, and so it just sort of sits on the top of the drink. And yeah, this is a pineapple lady in honor of your latest work of art. And while you are enjoying that, I'm once again back on my bullshit with a fresh <laughs> and delicious Topo Chico. Please sponsor us. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. So, you know, guys, I've, I've been kind of stuck on this because, like, I've been listening to your music since the beginning. I think, like, so there was this show back when I think it was just you, Ryan, like, when you first started Mating Ritual and you were at uh, school night and I was at that show. And I'm like, oh, like, this is Pacific Air, but it's like this this new this new version. And that was like when your debut uh, single came out. 
And I didn't realize in following you that this idea for five albums in five years was kind of like a driving factor. And then when I step back, I'm like, oh, shit, it has been five years and five albums. I'm wondering where the idea came for that. Uh, so first of all, that show you came to was a very, very weird show because I had a 103 degree fever. Oh, I don't know no. if that came across. But I was. <laughs> deathly ill and trying to escape playing that night but we did but uh the five albums in five year thing was completely off the cuff and i don't want to say a joke but i was doing an interview with billboard and they were like so what's next after the first album and i was just like i don't know i flippantly say shit all the time just not really thinking and i was like we're gonna do five albums in five years and (laughs) It led the art, they, they made it the headline. And so I was like, oh shit. And then everybody asked us for like a year. So why do you, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Sounds fun. And I don't know. It just, it, well, it turned out to be an incredibly like successful, like deadline tactic. It was a motivation us, you know, tactic like, for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it kicked us into gear. A lot of times we could have gotten lazy, you know? We, we we make music every day. We have a home. We have a we have a back house at our place in East in Highland Park that we make music at every single day. So we have the time to do it. Uh, it's just and we we produce it and I mix most of the songs myself. So it's not really a financial burden because I already own most of the gear. So it's more of just can I do this creatively? Do I have the willpower to do this many songs? And like you said keep it so I'm not just releasing music because I said I was. And we wouldn't have released any of this had we felt that it wasn't good enough. Looking back, there's some songs we like more than others, but I think that's natural. Uh, but I'm pretty proud of every record, at least in some way, in its own right. In addition to that, um, the qua- quantity over quality, you know, sorry, the opposite, <laughs> my bad, quality over quantity thing. Um, for all five albums, we have at least 20 half-written bullshit songs on top of the one top of that so you know how it is but um yeah no overall i think the five years has been good for us yeah i was just thinking about um one of our former guests nombe he posted a story recently saying that he has like thirty thousand song ideas recorded (laughs) and like is that something that that is pretty consistent across musical artists like how many like how many stems and and just like you know ideas do you have recorded that could potentially turn into songs i mean we do one almost every day and a lot of them don't go anywhere but we save the idea just in case it sparks but i'd say thirty thousand might be a little high for us but (laughs) i i mean it could be over our lifetime it might be somewhere around there we don't really know we like i I just ship everything to a hard drive and i forget about it because if i if we don't work on it another day it's usually not good enough to keep going so uh, but we have so many. I feel like any, like, I don't want to call us successful, but any really successful artist has so many things that you would never want to hear. It would change your opinion of them drastically. <laughs> Just pulling things out of the ether. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like that quote, what is it? Um, good writers write poorly all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you just got to keep writing the morning pages and hopefully you're going you're gonna to strike gold eventually. Are we all just... Are we uh are creatives all just panhandlers in the in the eighteen forties? We are grifters <laughs> in the modern day. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I, I do know I do know a few people that like 
Um, they can't not finish a book they're reading and equally they can't not finish a song they've started to work on. You know, I know sure. some artists like that as well, though. I feel like it's usually to the detriment, though, because it's if it's not a good idea and you just finish it, you're kind of shining a pig, whereas opposed to it's just true. let it go and start something you feel good about. Yeah, not to say that the people who I know who've done that haven't written some great stuff. Sure, and I'm not trying to say that's just my opinion on how we were on how I work. Right. Not on I'm not casting aspersions on anyone else. Mm-hmm. Plus that's a lot of like energy to spend on something that's not actually gonna get put out that like maybe you don't even really like. Uh, again, five five albums in five years. And I guess I'm wondering like, are there any themes that run through your body of work from start to finish, or does each album have its own story to you? I wouldn't say that each album even has its own story in and of itself. I think The Bungalow has, our fourth album, The Bungalow, has a very present story that runs from beginning to end with a couple, like, jumps here and there. But the rest of them, I think we write just whatever we're feeling at the time. And if we're feeling playful and sarcastic, then we're going to write that. And even if the song isn't about our lives and it's sarcastic, that's honest to us at the moment. So I think our, our writing is just, if we want to say thematically, is just completely spontaneous and whatever we're feeling in the moment. So, well, there's each album I'd say has like a subconscious through line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like, not really a, a mission statement. Nope. So what is the subconscious through line for songs for the morning and evening times? It's despair. Despair. (laughs) Despair and insanity. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the press release is that side A, we designed to be listened to during the daytime, which we just cheekily called the morning times, but it's more of a daytime, like six songs, whereas side B is for the evening times. And we designed it to be going out at night, stuff like that. But lyrically, we didn't theme it like that. That's just sonically. Lyrically, this whole album definitely lives in a darker place than any of our previous records, because most of it was written during the big pandemic. And so we we were pretty bummed out for a lot of it. And we tried to cope with that in ways we could. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of pick up on that a little bit, like <laughs> the separation between the morning and the evening, but also like morning and evening to me are both transitional times. There's kind of like this liminal space between day and night, and mm-hmm. you're you're not quite in one place yet. Um, does that kind of idea of in-between play into the music here? I think so. It wasn't something we consciously did. To be honest, we, we came up with that concept after we wrote the songs. We had like 40, 50 songs to this one. We had a lot. Mm. And we're like, this feels, we had bunched that we actually were planning on maybe doing a double LP. But we've already released so much music. We thought we thought we might be, you know, maybe putting out a little too much um, for people to really grab onto and might be wasting some really good songs. We have plenty of songs that are sitting there that we really like. Um, but we came up with this idea. We just thought that it felt good. And you are right about transition. None of these songs stay in one place. None of these, like, none of, no one in their lives, at least our lives right now, are in one place. We don't know what we want to do in three months. We don't want know what we want to do in a year. We don't know if we're going to be in quarantine in two weeks. So it is what it is. And like, I don't know if um, this, I mean, I feel like obviously a lot of people have to feel this way, but when I think about the times in deep quarantine, when we were writing these songs, in hindsight, I was acting a lot crazier than I knew that I felt. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that's also reflected in, in a lot of, especially the nighttime songs, lyrics. Um, 
you know do you, do you agree with that i yeah. think that kind of would be the uh the insanity aspect but yeah i mean the craziest song lyrically on the record is the one that pedro mentioned earlier uh covered in love where we talk about the riverside bar because mm-hmm. that song is about uh getting peed on for the first time and realizing you like it at a bar and now you can't escape that feeling of wanting that <laughs> I did that, not pick up on that, and that is incredible. <laughs> amazingly, amazingly timely story. Now that now that the title means something different to you now, though. Missed opportunity for the drink, Pedro. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I I I love that insight, though. That is so great. And it's kind of like you know, having been inside for a year, and I keep forgetting that like the things that I say happened last year, I'll be like, Oh yeah, that time that we went to Sassafras last year. And I'm like, Oh God, that was actually a year and a half ago at least. And I, I find myself starting to miss things like, like the spontaneous and dark and, and kind of almost regretful things (laughs) that at least defined life. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) like what is it that you like what what is something that you miss about the quote before times now that it's clear that we're not coming out of the pandemic the way we thought we were that um like you you really miss (laughs) i know this is going to be really heavy but i miss the hope of it all because we uh even if I was bored, if I went out three nights a week or I didn't go out three nights a week, I had a hope that like the next week was going to be even better, that everything was going to, I don't know, somehow improve and everything could work. But then when we were stuck inside for so long and then we both got vaccinated in April. So we spent June through past couple, like two weeks ago going out a lot. And we're like, wow, this is what we missed. Like, I don't know if that I don't know if we like this as much anymore. And so we kind of changed our aspect on things that we were doing what we liked. So the hope of doing the same thing and getting different results kind of is going away. And we're just like, you know, I think everyone's thinking of big changes in their lives. Yeah. I miss being an extrovert. (laughs) I miss having energy. (laughs) Like as soon as I started going out, it'd be like 10 PM. I'm like, well, I want to go home. I want to watch, I want to watch Disney plus alone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's completely f- oh yeah i feel like it's kind of changed my personality a bit and it's i think that's to be expected with like global collective trauma um do you think that there's any sort of climbing out of that uh or or is this like is this new state of being kind of worthy in and of itself i think like you said of our record it's a transitional period and nobody knows what they're going to be in a year and a half, just like we didn't know a year and a half ago. Like you said, you miss being an extrovert. I used to be, I guess, kind of an extrovert, but I would stay in way more than I'd go out. And that's not even an option for me anymore. If someone invites me to do something, I'm going, but I'm not going to, not going to miss out like I possibly could. And I think everything will eventually return to status quo, where maybe you'll be a little bit more extroverted again, and I'll be passing up on parties more. <laughs> we we shall certainly see. I definitely know that right now i'm looking at my instagram feed and seeing people at disney world surrounded by hundreds of people and not wearing masks and meanwhile i'm checking like the florida covid rate and i'm just like man there's just (laughs) i feel like we're back to square one like 
we're starting to realize that vaccines weren't the silver bullet that we'd hoped for them to be. What you were saying like about hope, right? Like in the before time, yeah, there, it felt like there was a cutoff for a bad week. Like once Sunday's over, there's hope that the next week will be good. And then now it's just never ending. And just so you guys know, we are out the window. We're, we're, we, when we say we hope there's no quarantine, obviously nobody hopes there is again. It's not fun, but we have a tour plan (laughs) for uh, mid October. And most of the venues have required vaccinations now, which is good. So we're not sure it'll be canceled or not. We, 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 as of now, there's no, nobody's saying it's going to be, but all these talks of quarantine are definitely spooky. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're going to keep going strong and keep, you know, hoping it happens and rehearsing and, you know, hope for the best. I think it was, uh, you know, back in, when was this? Uh, Like March when we spoke to to Abby the Nomad, where he was saying, like, all we're doing right now is putting holds on venues and keeping our fingers crossed. So... (laughs) that's what we did yep. for that's what we did for over a year and then when they all got confirmed like we have a the, the tour is booked it's like half sold out at this point so we're hoping that you know we're keep things keep moving and we keep we're able to do these and a lot of the major cities that probably will happen because they're they have no problem requiring vaccinations but oh yeah i mean we're all hoping <laughs> yeah let's i mean <laughs> let's move on to uh to something a little more a little more hopeful I think that hope is a kind of a good thing to have in this moment. And, you know, after a year of like sitting in place, I think we've kind of realized a lot about ourselves that keeps us moving. I think we've learned that people will want to create no matter the circumstances. And I think that we all have this sense that even if uh, the way that we lived our lives came to an end, we are very adaptable. I think that uh, at least for this show, like we figured out a way to make it work. Um, we figured out a way to still be creative. And w- what is something that you guys have learned over the past year and a half that has really helped you get through it? I think for me, it's that you don't have to do something every day. Um, it's not a failure of a day in the creative world if nothing gets accomplished in one day. Because I mean, I remember the beginning part of the pandemic. I felt like there was kind of a weird amount of pressure on people who already work from home. Like, well, this is your dream right now. Nothing's changed for you. Like, let's see what you got. And I wanted to do nothing. And I'm like, I know I work from home. I know I do the same thing that I always do, but it, it, your mindset's different. You can't see people, your creativity's dipped. So I think one thing that's really helped me is just the realization that if you're not feeling something, don't push it. Don't like force yourself to do something that's going to be eventually half-assed because you don't want to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of power in saying no. And I think we forget that a lot. Uh, I know that's something I struggle with. I'm just like, yes, I have to keep doing and I have yeah. to keep pleasing. <laughs> but, you know, you learn a lot about the people that you associate yourself with by the boundaries that you put up. Like if they are respected, then this is a good relationship. And if they're not respected, you've learned a lot about that connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I, I think we're all going through that a little bit now. Like, I think everyone in certain, certain aspects, once people can see each other again or have been able to, the ability to, uh, you know, 
cut that off again without having a reason this can be difficult sometimes like no i just i just want to sleep today <laughs> like i don't want to go out mm-hmm. i was thinking a lot about the opening song to the album uh old disco uh and <laughs> i think it like not only like because we've been talking about the album being dark but i feel like that's very celebratory like we're talking about in between states and I don't think it's necessarily, at least the way I see it, yes, it's tearing down the old thing, but it seems like you guys are almost celebrating the opportunity to build something new, like a new disco, a better disco, a more fun disco. Um, Is that like something that you guys see on the horizon, like a, a new way for us to celebrate and have fun and create like a new space for celebration? Yeah. I mean, I think that, like you said, we always, humans find ways to survive and not just survive, but thrive. And we're eventually going to find ways that make everybody, and not everybody happy, but you know what I mean? Like that satisfy the same things that we had before and maybe even in a better, more healthy way for everybody. Like the, the, I don't know, I hate the word FOMO, but if we can eliminate a lot of that, social media just brought it up so much. And I think that everybody being inside has been a little comforting to know that, oh, shit, we're all in this together kind of vibes. And maybe that's something that we can work on going forward. That is, it's not a disco. It's not a place to dance, but, you know, a, a vibe disco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the vibe of disco? If we can get a little bit uh, introspective. What is the essence of disco? Freedom. The music or a disco? Just, I, I think a little bit of both. Like, I think of disco as almost like a state of mind. I think, sure, Pedro, I you, you kind of whispered it, right? I freedom. would say disco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Personal freedom and letting go of fear of judgment from anybody else. And just, like, dancing around other people with without any worries. I think it's pretty telling that once disco went out of, went out of fashion that it was judged as cheesy for such a long time. Also during a very judgmental time in music criticism. True. That the, they were judging kind of being your own self for a while. Oh, yeah. These guys fucking get it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been rereading a lot of books that I read from the early 2010s by an author named Carl Hyacin, who writes mostly about Southern Florida and its inherent absurdities. And one thing that he does that I really don't like amid all the things that he does that I do like is that there seems to be this kind of like a, a musical elitism, like the protagonists and the people you're supposed to like, like, you know, classic rock and all the music that was popular in like the the uh, the 60s and 70s. And the the villains are the ones who like whatever's new. They like disco. They like pop. They like rap. And how I, old I, is this guy? Uh, he's, <laughs> I think he's like 68 now, but these are books that were written in like the early 90s. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I have to admit that I kind of was that person back in the day. Like, and, and it seems like musical elitism is uh, almost a, um, a roadblock like like it's it it's getting in the way for you to really experience the the breadth of of celebration um 
So I absolutely I, agree. Yeah. And I'm absolutely a, a victim of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I put up a lot of roadblocks for no real reason. And then I convinced myself that they're either true or not late in later years. Yes. When I was uh, like in my early 20s, I remember there was a specific guy. You remember Bones? Yeah. Obviously, you remember Bones. I remember Bones. Kind of a, a musical mentor as, to us as a younger age. All he would do is shit on new music nonstop, no matter what it was, as long as it was new, he had to shit on it. And like, I've just made a point in my head to never, ever be that guy. <laughs> like, at least like, of course, not all new music is good, but but not just write it off because, because I it wasn't what I liked when I had a fresher brain, you know, like. Yeah, it's not a value judgment. Um, no whether or not you like music. And I say this a lot. I don't necessarily think that there is such a thing as bad music. There's music that I don't care for. And it's because I don't find it interesting. I think like, that's the key for me. Like if something's interesting, I will go after it. Like you've never worked for a music blog. (laughs) 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 Or a submit hub blog. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, I mean like we're, we're at Atwood magazine and I think, so I, I I'm just kidding. (laughs) But but the thing about Atwood and I think the reason why I gravitated toward it when I was like, I need a place that I can write about music is that I used to be so cynical in my writing. I would always kind of like take on this like venomous, uh, uh, demeanor and it was very easy for me to fall into it because it came so naturally and Atwood is all about elevating voices it's about finding the beauty in like things that maybe necessarily you wouldn't have thought about before and I, I really enjoy that and I think that it's kind of changed my entire relationship to music and to artists like there's there's just so much out there that people are putting their hearts and their souls into that can really elevate your spirit if you give it a chance. So I think I agree with you, but I I think that's one of the roadblocks I put up that I spoke about before. And I put it up even sometimes to this day. Like I, we have a really good friend that we work with constantly who ran a big submit hub blog and he would constantly show us music that he would deem terrible. And we would usually agree with because it didn't meet certain like, like points of like, you don't know how to record at all. Like this isn't a proper, this isn't a recording, you know, this is like a phone recording or something like that. But I'm, I know I'm agreeing with you now. I'm saying, I think that's a roadblock in my head is seeing that if you didn't do something a way that professionals deem appropriate, that it's not worthy of criticism or art or appreciation or whatever. Yeah. I think it's all about like, if you've brought joy to at least one person, I think that you're doing, a good job even if that person is just you if you're playing your guitar in your room i like that that's sweet yeah <laughs> i i like that we've been so dark in recent episodes like getting to the <laughs> the, the underlying uh psychosis of all of us and like i i feel like there is a lot of hope here there is a lot of hope and so. yeah songs for the morning and evening times also, like, <laughs> Ryan, you brought this up in previous episodes. Like, if you listen to us talk, you don't really get a whole idea, like, a, a, a big idea of what the music even sounds like. Just, like, <laughs> how it makes you feel when you listen to it. Which is sometimes more important. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to listen to the album. That's the, that's the key there. And probably subconsciously why we do it. To get people to listen to the album, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think that's great, though. I mean, I feel like people don't need to be told what something sounds like. I think people know what it sounds like once they hear it. And then it's more people want to connect and feel that they maybe felt the same thing as somebody else, too. Not what synth did we use? I mean, some people like to know what synth we use, but <laughs> like the stories that spawn from talking about the album should be interesting or hopefully would be interesting enough yeah. to get you to listen to the record. <laughs> 100%. All right. So I, I'm still kind of fixated on this because I think it's so impressive. Um, fifth album, five years. Uh, now that we're, we're at the end of that, that, uh, that goal that you've set out for yourself. So what is next creatively? Is this type of steady output something you plan to continue? I learned from the past and I'm not going to answer <laughs> that question. <laughs> ten, al- 10 albums, 10 years. <laughs> we all lean in. We we have a we have a lot of music that we've been writing. We're still making music daily. Uh, we don't want to. We don't know what we're gonna do with it yet. So we don't want to put any limits on it this time. Like we want to make a double album a year. Why not? If we want to make zero albums for the next four years and just write songs for commercials, we could do that. Like there's so many. We don't want to. We don't want to commit to things when we don't have to anymore. Which was fun. We were happy we did. But now we, you know, the world's our oyster. We want to make country album. We're gonna make a country album. Ooh, that's gonna be the headline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mating ritual promises country album. <laughs> we got him. We got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> there may or may not be five mating ritual country. Stop songs. it! <laughs> <It's in the laughs> work. All right, so we're kind of coming up to the end of the interview portion, but I want to do what I usually do and ask a question of the group. This was a pie in the sky goal that you set for yourself that you accomplished so everyone else what is like uh and like a really high goal that you set for yourself that you ultimately achieved could be anything for me at a time it was just getting to la to act and pursue create a creative life um and i did that that was a pretty that was a pretty huge goal and took a long time but i got here i did it um, I set out to eat 10 flapjacks in 10 minutes, didn't accomplish that. Um, but one thing I did accomplish was, I wouldn't say this was a pie in the sky goal. I never set them too high cause you never want to be disappointed, right? You always avoid pain and disappointment at all costs. <laughs> so you never challenge yourself, never set the goals too high. Uh, <laughs> my pie in the sky goal was to never be disappointed. Did it. <laughs> My goal was to be uh, have a guidance counselor reach out to me via LinkedIn, and that happened. Um, Congratulations. That's a big one. I know what you mean, man. I was there too, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, one goal that I did bring to fruition that I was proud of was I had an idea that I've, I've mentioned this. Folks have heard, have listened to the show, was doing a radio show with all songs related to the otherworldly and paranormal, which I did. It's called The Occurrence. And I did a year-long radio show with it. The next goal is to bring it to a bar for a night that will have it. And that's where I think I featured... I think that was like my first dive into the mating ritual catalog, actually. I think that's where I found Moondust, and I worked that in, and it worked very well. So so that the next part of the goal is to bring that live. So we shall see. Well, we had another goal, Pie in the Sky, more egg in the sky that we accomplished recently. Ooh, Taylor ate 18 eggs in one hour. Oh my God. The Gaston challenge. 
Yeah, yeah. We have our uh, we have a we were doing a mating ritual Mondays live stream with uh, with every release upcoming release for this new album, and uh, on one of them, someone said, "How many eggs can you eat?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I can eat a, like twenty in one sitting." Or what did I say? You said twenty. I, I said twenty. You okay, so maybe I didn't achieve my goal, <laughs> but I still ate eighteen eggs in the next live stream. And we got so, him. We got him a trophy for it. An so egg trophy. I'm gonna call that a win. That sounds like a win. Were they raw? <laughs> no, they were deviled. They were deviled. Ooh. Okay. Oh, then that's perfect. That's doable. That is. Yeah, I can do that. Eighteen deviled eggs. That I usually t- do that. I usually do that when I didn't mean to. <laughs> keep in mind keep in mind half or oh, one deviled egg is not one you have to eat two deviled eggs to Ooh, eat one egg okay so yeah 36 that's, uh, yeah. deviled eggs exactly oh it's sounding a little mm. more daunting now yeah it's, I, not, I, it's not that easy who's ready for <laughs> a game of hashtag mood we yeah. are let's go let's hit that theme song Thank you once again, Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty for that lovely hashtag mood song. What is hashtag mood, you ask? It is the game we like to play at the end of every show to flex our playlist building skills. We usually turn to the Tunes and Tumblers phone line to listen to a message by a uh, fan or friend of the show to tell us how they've been doing. What is quarantine like for them? What kind of bizarre uh, sleep paralysis dreams have they been having? And then we create a playlist out of that. Each of us will have the chance to pick one song to go with it. And today we have something fun and a little unorthodox. Our friend of the pod, former social media manager, and uh, mother to the official Tunes and Tumblers mascot, Pierogi the King Pug uh, is on the line right now to give us a mood. Drew, is she in the waiting room right now? Oh, there she is. <clears throat> hello, hello. You are on the... Hi. <laughs> so as you all know, we've been fighting this this pandemic and this illness that's going around. And it's been about a, a good year and a half of, of unemployment and the checks are about to expire and you're about to start a brand new job tomorrow. It's the last day of summer, everybody. What are you going to play today? So this is, you know, this is a sad moment. Uh, summer vacation's almost over. Uh, but let's, let's, uh, let's see what the mood is, is like over there. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, what do you got for us? I'm going to do not a sad moment we're leaving the sad moment we're starting that new job our life's picking back up hope is back i'm gonna do rip it up by orange juice oh yes nice one of my favorites first uses of that farty synth bass ever in unrecorded uh (laughs) unrecorded music (laughs) you are absolutely speaking ryan's language right now (laughs) yeah that's my orange juice is my shit man Uh, yeah they're great I also like his his solo project afterwards. Yes. Edwin Collins. So I've got a weird one. 
Um, someone I recently found, uh, well, I don't know, maybe everyone knows him and I'm just an idiot. Uh, country, Australian country artist, Slim Dusty. Um, I've definitely song, not heard of them yet. <laughs> song, Looking Forward, Looking Back. Oh. It's a good one. Check it out. Is Slim he, Dusty. What era is he from? Um, he spans from the 50s to the 90s. Ooh, He's wow. a real winner. Slim Dusty. Sounds like the name of a character Ryan would have made up. <laughs> How many people are active from the 50s to 90s? Johnny Cash? Who else? And and Slim Dusty. Dude, dude he's probably the Australian Johnny Cash. Yeah. Well, I'd say that. Okay. His vernacular so, is incredible. Just listen for all the goofy lingo you've never heard yeah, before. Yeah, you want some weird-ass Australian words? Check that guy out. Please. 50s Australian <laughs> slang. I need to update my Bob's Your Uncle uh, repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mine that's mine all right i'll go i got one so when i first thought of summer when i first heard kaylin's part of it i was thinking um school's out for summer alice cooper it's not right but i thought of another alice cooper song no more mr nice guy unemployment's <laughs> out benefits are expired it's no more mr nice guy i'm just um, picturing joe biden singing it the amtrak masseuse singing it I feel okay. like he's pointing a lot of fingers in your direction too, you know. No more, yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> no more, uh, uh, Mr. Nice Guy. It's a fa- <laughs> now listen here, Mac. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the no more, no more, Mr. Nice Guy. I got to make money. You understand? And if that means going to the Amtrak station and taking money from people, so be it. Whatever's <laughs> <laughs> gonna get you back to work. If, if, yeah, that means getting recruited by a criminal gang on the Amtrak, dressing up like a priest and putting a donation box into 31 flavors, so be it. This happened to you? <laughs> Seems real on the nose. Ryan has all I, kinds of stories. I'm a dreamer. So specific. I'm a dreamer. Pedro, you got a pick for us? I do. Um, I've, I've... I've picked stuff from Steven Universe before, and this I'm going to wallow in the misery of summer being over. So it's just called It's Over, Isn't It? <laughs> um, featuring Dee Dee Magno Hall, and she just keeps saying, it's over, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it over? It's over. It's done. <laughs> and she's just sort of wallowing in the misery of that, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick it right there with her. Ooh. So I think I'm going to go in between on this. Uh, we're kind of lamenting this one period being over this idea of liminal space. Like we talked about with the album, uh, we're going to appreciate what comes next. So I chose uh, a song by former guest of the pod, Nombe. He teamed up with Tutmos for a song called summer's gone and the lyrics go summer's gone, but you can be my winter love summer's gone, but you can be mine. So Let's enjoy the next season that's coming. There's love on the horizon. There is possibility. Let's do this. Let's forget about fall. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say, not during fall, though. Call, yeah. Don't call me till We're winter. Skipping, yeah. Yeah. How many Halloween fans do we have in the room right now? Oh, God. We're going to lose so many subscribers. We have the one. We already have, we already have Pierogi's costume. He's going to be <gasps> Abu from Aladdin. Does that mean you just have to get him a jacket? It's it's actually one of those like you know those dog outfits that's like a whole stuffed animal like just on the front of them. So when they walk, it looks like the the thing is walking. It's it's pretty obnoxious. I decided not to make his costume this year and instead bought one. 
Last year, he was Nibbler from Futurama, and it was does, quite perfect. Does Abu wear the little red hat? He does. Oh, I think it's purple. Maybe it's yeah. red. I can't remember. I honestly, it's too big for him. I think Aladdin I think wears a smaller the size. Either way, I'm excited. Tunes and There's going to be plenty of photos. Tune in. Pierogi has been taking a hiatus <laughs> from our story, but he will be back. He, we, we promise. He took he, a self-care break. He did. Turn of the king. <laughs> Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for calling in and and hanging with us for hashtag mood. We uh, I, I hope that you like this playlist that we made for you. Well, uh, unfortunately, it's come time. The um the bar is shutting down. It is last call. Any lingering thoughts before we uh, call it a day about um moving on to hope about liminal spaces about um celebration what are we thinking come see us on tour (laughs) (laughs) yes i I, i'm joined i'm mixing the last two segments because that's all i can think about is going on tour right now and i'm so excited so that's that is my one and only thought that's our hope (laughs) fingers crossed no more lockdowns hashtag no more lockdowns where yeah, get vaccinated and come see us on yes, tour. There please. you go. Negative tests are great, but please get vaccinated if you're healthy enough to do so. Yes. Vaccinations uh, help keep the world spinning. Yes. <laughs> At AEG concerts. Vaccination <laughs> <laughs> now. Kind of. Well, again, thank Anyways. you guys so much for joining us. This has been a real pleasure. Please enjoy the sunshine in the pool for all of us who can't. We will. Thank you so much, and I, I hope everybody enjoys the record. You know, it's 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 a lot of work to put out five, and I hope some of these songs later in the record don't get lost for people because we we like them all equally. It's open if I fucking say it is is the second to last track on the album, so you got to get there, folks. It's worth it. <laughs> And thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast and a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. Also, if you go into the episode description and scroll to the very bottom, you'll find a link where you can support the pod. Every dollar goes to keeping the lights on, getting supplies to make those delicious drinks, and uh, making sure that Drew has money to keep pushing those ones and zeros. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by that lovely Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. 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 Thank you so much.